Hello everybody, uh, this is Apple Treats and uh, today we have a kind of special episode because uh, we have a new co-host for this episode. We'll pr- we don't know how often this will be happening, but uh, Vladimir, hello, you're uh, my co-host for this uh, 17, by the way, it's uh, we already like 17 episode, 17th episode, it's quite a ride, I would say. Hello, hello. Thank you. I'm happy to be here again, actually. Yeah. In some countries, yep, from 17 years, you can buy beer or uh, drive car. <laughs> so, yeah, we are mostly Going. mostly ready. We we actually, I, I saw the study that, like, most of the podcasts cannot uh, survive 10 episodes. So, we are already, like, uh, targeting 20. So, probably on, on a good shape for now. But, yeah, and... Uh, uh, Vladimir is. Uh, many of you might know that Vladimir is uh, part of the Apple Treats team, and uh, today he will be discussing um, developer experience uh, in the iOS 15 era. I would say so. Uh, we decided to take a look how uh, and what uh, developers are now doing. What are the pain points, and uh, we will be also. T- trying to take questions. So if you are listening us live, uh, put your comments to the chat. Uh, basically, like any idea, uh, any opinions on how to be a developer, what it takes, what are your pain points, what do you want to see, what do you miss, I don't know. Or maybe like we will see somebody who misses the Objective-C for whatever reason, I don't know, might be. Um, but I suppose we need to start with the uh, we will like almost landing page today I think. Yeah. So it's 10 years since uh, Steve Jobs passed away and um like I don't know almost any Apple related resource now uh, remembers Steve by the way apple.com yeah it has a nice uh, video on the homepage and a letter from the Jobs family which is really touching and uh, I don't well like from my personal experience I never uh, met Steve Jobs I never talked to him but um, I see a lot of uh, comments from people who knew him who uh, worked with him or had a chance to uh, talk with him on many um, uh, topics and uh, all of them are I don't know like they they all embrace his vision everything and uh, from my perspective I would say that it definitely uh, like affected me i mean i think that because of steve jobs i went into mobile development um i don't think uh if not uh, ios i would be doing development for android probably not i mean that's that's for sure and um by the way what about you maybe you had a chance to talk with steve jobs previously no no unfortunately yeah that I I haven't had a chance, but I had a story, not a story, but comparison of two CEO of Apple, like current one, Tim Cook and Steve Jobs. Uh, when uh, me and my wife had a honeymoon in California, we visited uh, Apple's uh, campus on Infinite Loop. And a guy who gave us uh, this uh, overview of their campus, uh, he told that for Steve, it was okay to go with all uh, employees of Apple to their Mac Cafe, their internal uh, restaurant, uh, sit somewhere with them, talk about something. And Tim, Tim is not that kind of person. He prefers to chilling with, uh, I think, with the top executives. <laughs> so, and I think uh, like that was two different sides of Steve. So he was 
person who can speak with everyone and other side he was very demanding and uh pushing people forward and pushing everything forward i think and i'm not sure about himself as a the only factor that uh brought me to ios development but ios as itself as we know it right now i think because of him it's so comfortable uh environment development environment uh and because of this probably we are really happy to be as developers not only as some of us macos developers can be but yeah true um again i i wouldn't be talking about like uh, if uh, tim cook is better or worse ceo i'm i'm not the person <laughs> to judge ceos and uh, specifically ceos of uh, companies like apple but uh, I'm, i'm i mean i don't know they're different and uh, it doesn't mean that tim cook is worse i mean i probably uh, the difference is okay and uh, well the success of apple and uh, their current releases also show that maybe like it's okay to have different styles of uh, running a big company and by the way i already see some um, comments on the on our youtube stream and uh, some people still like objective c yeah well Uh, those of us who started as objective c developers i mean like we never knew that swift uh, was in development and i believe i started even before it was like started in development so um i'm not sure like it was started in 2011 or something like that but um i started in 2010 so like probably a year before swift was in, in development and uh, uh i was mocked a lot about like this um syntax of objective c but uh yeah now i would had to admit that probably i wouldn't want to write any new code in objective c i'm okay with reading the code and probably redoing similar things in swift but i'm pretty much think that uh objective c is yeah it's a, it's something from the past already <laughs> actually it is from past so as i remember the first version of objective c was uh, released uh, back in 1980 something like this so for next step operation system and so on so yeah it's it's outdated it's really cool probably because we are uh, we like we started with it we like it but yeah it's it's not a modern language unfortunately yeah um i propose we move on to something modern <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah so like big news iOS 15 was released and uh, we already like talked about that briefly on the previous uh, episode and not just the um uh, the iOS itself but also Xcode 13 is released iOS 15 SDK is released and we more or less started playing with that and uh there are a couple of things already happening i mean uh, um we already discussed that in some chats but one of the like uh i didn't saw that before i mean i was uh, not playing too much with beta versions and i saw that the Uh, now there is a style which makes uh, bars like navigation bar or tab bar transparent when you put the content nearby uh, nearby it and it also uh, like does this behavior on the swift ui and for my case it was like i was using a map uh, in a model presentation and the map was not native but rather a map uh, as a ui view uh, representable and uh, Technically it was okay but the like 
<laughs> navigation bar went transparent and I was like, wow, that's weird. I found the topic on the developer forums and yes, that's the new new normal and uh, you have to adjust something if you see the same behavior. That was like my first um, encounter with the iOS 15 SDK and I see, yeah, well, there, there, is, uh, there are some things we need to adjust now. And is that fully transparent? That, yeah, it just if the content is uh, under the bar, so the the background of the bar is transparent. All the buttons, all the content on the bar is not transparent. So if you put some toggles or like I don't know segmented controls, they're normal, but the background is not blurred but fully transparent. And there is a style on the, the appearance API which makes like it back, but there are some drawbacks on that as well. And uh, for those who are like seeing this, probably you can Google that and you will find that particular thread on developer forums with the recommendation how to fix that and what the implications will be. So uh, this is basically um, makes the behavior of large navigation bar with large titles when it like basically um, merges with the content of the page when there is no background and when you start scrolling, uh, background appears. But this behavior now um, makes it transparent even if uh, you're not scrolling and there are a lot of stuff happening there. So beware if you're compiling and see transparent background. This is not a bug, it's the intention behavior and you will need to fix that uh, by some configuration. But that works fine if you compile it with the RS14 SDK and run it on uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, there, there were no such a thing as a fully transparent in the iOS 15 SDK. So it's basically like, yeah, the, the behavior is different. And speaking of that, uh, when like, they changed something uh, like in behavior, why they didn't still change the uh, default value for translates auto layout mask into constraints? I mean, so probably when, it's when already time to make released? it. Yeah, so we 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 might put that uh, as the like as a false by default. I mean, like probably it's already like maybe a couple of years. Hopefully they might do that in um, I don't know next year, or they will just drop uh, this property with UI kit like ten years into the future. <laughs> but yeah, so probably this they is have something some statistic on this. So probably they yeah, see well, that a lot of people using uh, false by default. Yeah, definitely there is a reason for that, and probably like the the reason is uh, ob like obvious for them, but not for us. But still, <laughs> I, I would prefer this to be uh, like not to write that particular line in almost every custom UI view you create. Um. Okay. Uh, since we will have not too long episode for today. By the way, again. If you're listening to us, watching us, bring your comments. What you did? Uh, what uh, did you find in the new SDKs? Or did you try OS, uh, Xcode 13 and uh, like something? Like, what, what's your impressions? Is it good? Is it bad? Like, and by the way, mm, iOS uh, 14.8 is no longer uh, down. You you cannot longer you downgrade to iOS 14.8. So, so it's not signed. If you upgraded your device, yeah, that's you're staying on iOS 15 now, and uh, beware of that. So, By the way, uh, do you the next... like Xcode 13 appearance? They, it's, it's really fresh and interesting and modern. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the icons for the files is something which oh, yeah. you need to adjust to. I mean, like, I got used to previous style and now it's like a little bit different, but I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm trying to not to put too much focus on the tool. It works. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see any, uh, don't see much of the problems, and it works more or less okay. It, like I crashed once <laughs> for me, and that's oh. probably a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm using it not not too much, but well, okay. And uh, yeah, source kit uh, highlights more or less working. I mean, again, a couple of times I saw like improper highlights of the symbols, but that's uh, it didn't show me this uh, not fully non-highlighted uh, text uh, with the like ex uh, source kit crashed and needs uh, to be restarted uh, message. But the one thing the I'm... Way, uh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, by the way, digression. So have you tried using some other tools for, uh, okay, not iOS development, but Swift development rather than Xcode itself? Um, Yes and no. Uh, yes, in terms of I tried. No, in terms of I didn't try it well. Um, I tried uh, VS Code and uh, uh, we had an episode on um, uh, server-side Swift and so I give it a try somewhat. Um, I used Visual Studio many years ago. I mean, like somebody who, who know me knows that sometime into the past I used to write .NET code, C-sharp, apart from other <laughs> uh, languages, but uh, so I used Visual Studio, and the Visual Studio code is like it's different, by the way, like from ten years of Visual Studio before. So like my, my experience with Visual Studio ends ten, 10 years ago, and uh, the Visual Studio code works fine. Again, it it, work, it runs fast enough, being Electron app, I suppose. But well, anyway, it, it's the browser, by, by the way, with the web app installed within but it works okay you you can do a lot of code there but i'm still not fully um used to it there there are some um key combinations you need to remember probably i need to install a lot of plugins to make the work uh more comfortable but i just installed the studio i opened the project i did some changes uh do, did some comments in shell and it more or less worked um do you use something else uh, besides the iCode? Maybe AppCode or any uh, other IDE? Actually, yes, I'm using AppCode sometimes for some complex refactoring or when I need to debug some very strange behavior uh, between various protocols, classes, and so on. And actually, now AppCode works much better with all of this. Yeah, finally, since uh, 2014, they managed to fix this. I'm happy with that. And also I tried uh, using not uh, like a Swift, uh, Swift, uh, sorry, I missed that, how it's called, like a plugin uh, so, uh, source uh, server, like okay. uh, with uh, Sublime. Um, so it's impossible to develop code for UI key, like for iOS, because it cannot parse uh, for some reason. I don't know why mm -hmm. it cannot parse uh, model files for uh, standard uh, frameworks. But if you're doing pure Swift uh, development with a Swift package manager, it works fine. And sometimes it works much better in some in some places. Um, I see we have a comments on, on YouTube saying that they like a uh, new look of the Xcode. I would tend to agree. And um, yeah, um, let's get to the programming. Um, uh, the one thing scared me a lot and uh, scared for, for a good reason. So uh, if you're looking, uh, if you browse through Swift forums, you will find the thread uh, uh, regarding the Swift concurrency stack corruption bug. And the examples on that thread 
are not too complicated and they result in program termination, stack, stack corruption and obviously stack corruption is a bug which could lead to exploits. Like this is something you should never never like have in your apps. And structured concurrency was uh, introduced as something which is uh, safe, which will prevent from uh, prevent you from uh, these kind of uh, bugs. Not these, but rather like from concurrency issues. And you will like write nice code, and it will like like everything will be fine. And that's some simple example. Simply crash the app or uh, like does some nasty things with stack that's that's bad i i really hope this will be fixed like really 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 soon and uh, it might be the bugs are on the swift uh, bug tracker already and uh, it seems that team is working on that but um, that basically uh put adds another uh, argument against this structured concurrency first like you basically cannot backport that to previous ios releases and the second one it's even on the current release there are some issues which you need to know uh, like know you need to put your code in a way which will never trigger these kind of uh, behaviors, and uh, that's that's something you you definitely need to be aware of. I really uh, by the way, like swift concurrency itself because of it's not transparent, and uh, in comparison to other languages that implement in a sync away exactly. syntax, yeah, they're doing this in a more transparent way. Async await is just a part of syntax; it's a construction. But uh, you manage uh, multi-threading itself with other tools. Here they try to combine all of these, and that's what um, it's it's it, it looks cool. But in some edge cases, yeah. you may need to use some other tools. And uh, interestingly, it's not like uh, syntactic sugar over like dispatch queue async or something. It's really different and the WWDC sessions were covering that so it's like lightweight uh, context switching tools and everything but still I mean yeah you're you're probably right that it's not too transparent and knowing that you are uh, one of the those who likes Rust maybe you can give some idea on how it's like how how it's compared to Rust I mean Rust has Let's put it that way. The syntax of Rust may be even more complicated than the Objective-C was <laughs> some, in some way. But uh, the language itself is uh, really nice. So do that, did they do great in terms of uh, managing the concurrency? Uh, yeah, first of all, I think we need to go back before... I don't remember exact version when a sync syntax was released in Rust, but before this, even uh, there... Uh, you had opportunity to work only with lightweight threads, and even then, it was pretty safe because of various constraints that they put around various uh, types with uh, that can be moved to another thread, that can be that can be managed between various threads, and so on. And remembering that Rust has its own very interesting memory model. Where you uh, the only one yeah. uh, you can have the only one owner of some object, and you can have multiple borrowers of that object in reading, and only one borrower like in a mutable mode. So this makes working with this model in a multi-thread uh, environment more more complex. They also have something called ARC. Actually, it's similar, but 
it's not a automatic reference counting, but it's uh, asynchronous reference counting where you can uh, use uh, like really counting references to your object. And uh, when uh, you drop the last uh, deref, as they called, you derive the last uh, reference to the object is cleared from uh, your memory. But still, that works fine. And they gradually, really gradually introduced the sync await syntax to uh, language itself first. So, uh, and this is just a syntax. It's on the syntax, which uh, during compilation, it translates to uh, like as, as I read, it's more complex as it was described uh, in multiple articles, but it's some kind of state machine. And the idea is that uh, you're, when you don't need to, so if you cannot continue working with your data right now, you need to say, okay, wait, wait for another uh, while some other process finishes work. Okay, when you waited, okay, we check in, done, okay, we go next. And they use state machines for this. And, but as I said, you cannot run this uh, code without some additional tooling without some additional libraries which manages runtime of these async away threads. And they have various implementation for this. They have uh, Tokyo, they have some other stuff that hides the complexity of this runtime. Uh, but still, if you need, you can manage this manually. You can decide, okay, I want to have only four threads for all my concurrency in, in, in application or some other stuff. You can run it all in one thread, actually, or you can, uh, it, okay, it's it's really customizable. And that's why it's really cool. Even though when I, like, usually I use it with the standard uh, settings, still I'm happy that I can do this. And other stuff, what's what's different between Swift, Async Await, and Rust, uh, it was about, I don't know, about seven releases of Rust, where they introduce this feature gradually. So in either releases and so on, and community put a lot of efforts into testing this stuff. And now it works. Now everyone is happy. For Swift, they announced this back, I believe in spring, last spring. And how many people really download in uh, non-stable uh, tool chains of Swift and playing Not with it? Not much. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> So they lack of testers yeah. in that case. Yeah, um, I would agree definitely. And like for those uh, who are wondering why we're talking about Rust now, maybe because the Swift, um, like it's a like long cousin from Rust, and uh, some features you see in Swift are actually like they have some Rust counterparts. Let's put it that way, and uh, some design decisions also like look a lot like uh, design decisions in Rust. Not all, but uh, some of them, and even the protocols and uh, like those stuff happening with protocols. Uh, this this is something which Swift looks into Rust direction. So uh, I see a lot that and. Like the, I don't know, like it's a different topic, but uh, there are some uh, proposals in Swift to make uh, work with existential types easier. I mean, like some of you might see that uh, this protocol can be can only be used as a constraint, constraint. Uh, because it has associated type or uh, self-reference. Uh, so this is one of the issues with the existential types, and like the protocol in Swift is uh, can be used in two positions as a placeholder for the type or 
as the again as a, as a constraint for for something and like some some of the protocols cannot be used as a storage types so yeah that's one of the things happening there but uh again that's hopefully the async await and swift will also mature from release to release and when this will be happening, I really hope that those will not be bound to the specific new iOS version. I mean, this is something which needs at least iOS 15. So if you are saying that the iOS 15 is the like the minimum requirement, okay. But like if you need to fix something, make this fix working on the previous iOS releases too, because that's that's really important now if we are to adopt this in the in the applications and. Personally, I do like to adopt it. It makes code much simpler, much shorter, and sometimes it's definitely easier to easier to understand. And I really want to start adopting actors. And as of now, again, it's the, the problems here with the current release. And one thing I would like to see is actors for the managed object contexts, for example. <laughs> so, or like managed object, objects themselves to be actors, um, that will probably make a lot of work easier. I mean, I'm, I'm recently I found one issue with core data, my own issue. I did that myself. That was, I put that bug into the, uh, into the application, but it was, um, yeah, it was like couple of changing of the methods and uh, some of them were inside the context.perform, some of them outside. And um, finally I found a way where one uh, manipulation like slipped through that and uh, was out of uh, context uh, thread. And that was like, again, the crash was happening not often. Okay. Yeah, um, I personally start using uh, SQLite for not very big databases, which I need to store in my applications. Because it's easier. You you control yeah. everything, and you don't yeah, have sure. all that issues happening with uh, uh, core data. And how many of us really needs core data in our applications? Not a, not at least so not many. everybody. And yeah. yeah. And by the way, uh, those of you who are like uh, screaming into like whatever where, wherever you are, Realm use that. Like no, it's not the uh, silver bullet. It also has its own problems. Uh, um, I don't think we will be going through that today. Maybe we will have a special episode on comparison between Core Data and Realm, and maybe we will have somebody from the real team. I don't know. Real team will try. Um, but yes, it's something you need to uh, make your decision if, if you are to use Core Data. And if you are like going to store something like 10 or 100 records, maybe that's not the good thing to do. I mean, you can do like even uh serializing and like saving to the disk that will be probably more performant and easier and you will have less issues with the concurrency yeah. let me check the comments for a sec um uh so there is a uh, there is a mention that the swift is uh now more focused on the ios rather than general purpose and i i would disagree on this actually uh so the comment is that the swift is now uh more focused on the iOS development language rather than the general purpose. No, well, like just today I saw the tweet from team, uh, from the Vapor team who said that they will be adopting a sync of it. And so server-side Swift is still there and they are doing a lot of progress there. So, and I don't think it's, uh, the these features are targeted for the iOS. I would say that iOS is not fully adopting these features and there are not too many frameworks using uh, new Swift features. We still see some of the 
uh, frameworks using Objective-C style protocols, and they, they did some upgrades with uh, completion handlers, which are now translated into async methods. But still, and uh, I think this Swift still is general purpose language. The problem is that um, for us, uh, we are using it with Xcode and Xcode compiles for the iOS, and, not, and uh, you need like to do some tricks in order to make it work with the, uh, with other platforms. But uh, I, I would I would disagree on this. I mean, I I think that Swift is is okay in terms of general purpose languages. Do you think so, Vladimir? Uh, I would say that you can use it for other kind of development. Uh, and uh, now every time when I need to write some utility for myself on my Mac, I always switch in between Rust and Swift because now Swift with the package manager, with uh, Various stuff that's happening around Swift, it's really powerful language and you can use it for even for this kind of like a, before I used to use uh, Ruby for this, now I use Rust and Swift and it's a good move because Swift is fast and what good that Apple is uh, implementing a lot of interesting stuff open source in Swift, such as, I don't know, my favorite one is argument parser uh, package yeah. for command line utilities. It's really powerful. You can do a lot of interesting stuff there, or and quite know, easy Swift, by the way, yeah, yeah. And Swift Package Manager itself, uh, it's it's really interesting source of inspiration where you can find interesting moves. Probably over complicated for my uh, cases, but still I can find something interesting there and start developing in the same way. True. So yeah. okay, um, we have one more topic. Uh, to cover before we wrap up. And this topic is actually um, Swift UI. <laughs> so um, I put, uh, I've put put a lot of hopes into new release and uh, it, it's good more or less. I found a couple of issues which are troubling me and this is not the bug in terms of like it like doesn't work as, as expected. It's probably working as expected, but I was expecting different things from that. But I think you have something to share on this. I don't have shared actually a lot of uh, things about uh, Swift UI in, okay, so-called Swift UI.3.0. But all my experience with the Swift UI so proved that you can do 80, probably 85% of development in Swift UI, and then you spend 20% more on trying to implement something more custom that Apple developers allows us to. Simple examples, uh, leading or trailing swipe actions. You cannot implement this in Swift UI easily. Uh, you can do this with a dirty hacks. I've done this, it works bad, but it works. Or another stuff that drives me crazy. So in UI table view or UI collection view, you can, you can implement such behavior when you uh, press and hold, and then enable edit mode, just moving your cells without any additional actions. Can you do this in Swift UI? Yeah, yeah, you can implement special edit button in your navigation bar, which enables this behavior. Okay, that works, but it's really, it's really crazy. So, and for me, so every, so I started, I don't know, two or three apps writing in Swift UI. Uh, I reached some point where I decided, okay, I cannot do this anymore uh, because of because of. So I can implement MVP. It, 
it works, but I need more. I need more interesting stuff to implement for myself. I develop these applications, not for someone. I'm not releasing them. I'm doing this for myself, but I want these features. Come on. My best example is that in uh, tvOS 14, if you're trying to implement not so big, but pretty big uh, collection, oh, how it's called, like, not collection view, how it's called in SwiftUI. Do you remember? Grid, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, grid, grid, no. grid. So when you try to implement grid with, not only with the images, but just grid with some text, uh, I don't know, probably uh, 10, not 10 hundred, yeah, about 10 hundred items in it or less, uh, performance of that grid is awkward. So we could try to survive but, it, in, yeah, it's especially in TBRS. Did Come you on, try guys. the lazy grid, which is uh, part try. of the second Swift UI? Yes, yes. Uh, well, so it lazy helped grid. me sometimes. But yeah. yeah, something okay. wrong, especially, like, especially with TBRS 14. I don't know why. I will check that example. Probably the layout 14. engine, something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, weird. Yeah. I have one thing which like drove me crazy with the uh, um, with Swift UI three, and I have to share that. <laughs> um, so one feature was announced for the Swift UI uh, three, and that was able uh, ability to change the focus. And that was like, wow! Finally, I can set the uh, first responder when I need to, and uh, I will be able to like basically. Put uh, show the form and uh, put the first responder field like when it appears. Probably that's the good thing to use that, uh, and specifically on the iOS. Yes, you can change the focused value, and that's there are some examples. It's like kind of easy to implement, except for one thing: when the sh uh, view appears, you cannot change the focused field. So you cannot show the uh, the view with the, for example, keyboard showing and the first text field is focused already. What you can do, you can add a task or like you can add on appear and uh, uh, dispatch uh, like uh, async after delay. You can add like uh, 300 milliseconds or something like that and then change the focus. <sighs> I mean, really? Apple, <laughs> Apple come on. And it probably there is some logic behind uh, that. So when view is not uh, is not appears, there is something which prevents you from managing the focus. But I need this thing specifically in this case, and uh, so basically changing the focus after the animation complete, it's it's a workaround, but it's it's ugly. I mean, uh, you show the view and then a uh, keyboard appears and the f uh, text field gets focused. That's bad and. Um, uh, that's again th those uh, like 300 milliseconds of wasted time for the user if he expects to start typing immediately. And that, that some people like to start typing immediately, and that's that's sad. I mean, that's uh, I'm. Uh, by the way, yeah, I didn't file um, enhancement uh, request yet, but I will do that. I mean, like I need to. To, to put that those into the words, probably it will be rejected or like something like that, or I will get thank you for that, and uh, well, it will never be viewed again by anybody. But really, <laughs> this yeah. is why I'm like th th this particular feature is nice, and it's by the way the, the idea here is kind of like easy. You you can change, you can create an enum with the fields, and you can basically assign the values, and everything will be working fine. But this small thing, which uh, and and you cannot do anything either by 
like again re-implement the text field in the UI view representable and that's something there to for it to become first responder as soon as possible. You can do that by the way, but that's if you want to avoid these kind of hacks, uh, yeah. So uh, my verdict so far, uh, SwiftUI free is much closer to the production. So you basically you can do, you you really can do a lot with that. But some things are still missing, and uh, some of those to to re-implement what you need with those small things might take a lot of time, and uh, you m might probably ruin a lot of things. But I. In defense, I would say that even when I'm using the UI kit, I'm now trying to follow the de declarativeness. Sorry, <laughs> probably the wrong word, but um, I'm trying to make you as stupid as possible and uh, just reacting to something outside and uh, making it easier to migrate to SwiftUI when SwiftUI becomes more powerful and support this particular kind of view. So this is... Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh. The good thing that they introduced with the SwiftUI, the idea they injected into our minds, uh, this idea of source of truth. So you have only one place where you calculate, or not calculating, but storing the value. And all other values, they are derived from it. And it's so cool idea. I really love it. And start implementing it everywhere in iOS code with the UI kit. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, this is something which I'm I'm trying to follow a lot now. And uh, this is something, again, which, like, even if you're doing the UIKit code, focus on that. Make your views dependent on the data and, uh, like, not be the source of the data for some for, for something. Okay, um, that's... I, um, <laughs> this is some kind of therapy session for the developers, at least for us too. <laughs> we, we shared our, like, pain points. And, uh, by the way, again, if you are still with us, like share it in the chat or uh if you're watching us later like put that into comments uh we will be responding to that to that uh, that's for sure um one thing i'm still waiting and um hopefully to see released soon and i'm currently like trying some things with that it's the share play uh api specifically the group activities um this is something i would like to see more and uh like I, I would like to see how others will use that. We I, we have some ideas, and uh, if you like, I, I will be doing the talk on one of the conference soon in, uh, regarding how you can use the share play together with other sh like uh, communication platforms and uh, on the iOS, and what can you do with that. So this particular uh, framework really uh, is really interesting, and it's really simple. I mean, like it's like it's done perfectly from the API standpoint. You, it, it's simple to understand, simple to follow, mostly simple to implement. And uh, the only probably the, the most sophisticated thing would be the integration with the Apple TV, but that's still okay. I mean, that's uh, that's still doable. And Can they release it yet? Uh, nope. <laughs> so I, okay. I kind of expect that to be released with the uh, macOS Monterey. Well, it's on the uh, iOS 15.1 beta. So it's re-enabled in that beta version. And I think the iOS 15.1 and macOS Monterey will be released on the same day. I'm, may, I may be wrong, um, but I, hope. I, I think so. Yeah, and uh, again, I think that the macOS will get the SharePlay together with the other platform. So it it, it looks so, at least to me. And uh, for those who don't know, the, so the SharePlay allows you to watch uh, content together with everybody on the FaceTime call or use the FaceTime call as the data channel between apps on the devices of the uh, of the participants of the call. And 
as on, uh, one, one more topic. So you can use that as a way of uh, promoting your app. So if somebody doesn't have an app which is used by other parties on the FaceTime call, they will like be notified on, on that particular app. So that's uh, that's a good thing to, to try. If you have something, uh, some apps which need sharing the data between uh, participants. So take a look. Uh, and by the way, it uses uh, Swift concurrency uh, for, uh, and uh, more. Um, moreover, they're using async sequences, which we were talking about on, on one of our previous episodes. So it's uh, it's really, really nice and uh, like modern APIs. Cool. Okay. I think we uh, we did uh, <laughs> we did everything well. We discussed all the pain points, all the good stuff and all the things we are waiting for. Um, for all of us, or for all of you, sorry, uh, for all of you who are listening to us uh, online or at home or wherever, um, like, Please spend this, like, since you are now here, like, spend one minute to find us in uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a review and put your rating. Please, 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 that will really help us. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can like, like this video and share it to your friends. And subscribe, of course. Okay. <laughs> True. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, that was an interesting uh date for developers to share their uh, their pains but now we will uh, try to find some more interesting topics for our next episode and uh, we will see you in two weeks bye thank you everyone bye